with you this morning. And if you have your Bibles, we're going to turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Looked at various aspects of the family over the last, I don't know, three weeks, maybe four. We're going to continue with that this morning. Last week, we looked at parenting, uh, parenting by principle from Ephesians 6, 4. Uh, this morning, we're going to look at the flip side of that coin, and that is what the Lord has to say to children. The Lord has to say to children. So Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 1, it says, Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And so the title of the message, not very creative, goes straight along with the text. Children, obey your parents. Children, obey your parents. And so I just want to make sure before I, I uh, move into the message that you understand that this message, it's for everybody, obviously. Um, the Word is, uh, all parts of the Word are useful. But this morning, for our younger children, uh, this message is, is for you. It's one of those you want to be listening to, do your best to listen to. And so it's for David and Lily and Levi and Eliza and Henry and Ace and, and I could keep naming, but we got a sermon to preach. It's for y'all, for Nora. I don't want to forget Nora, especially for her. Um, and so I want you to, to be, to be listening, to be paying attention because, you know, it is, it's, it's, it's why we, it's why we, one of the reasons why we come here. It is a blessing to know what God has to say. And God has given this word to us for us. It's for our good. And so we want to make sure that we pay attention to what he, he has to say. So the text starts out and it says, children, Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. To obey means to listen. It means to submit to. It means not just to, to love, but to show honor to your parents. And the text says this is right. Verse 2 pulls directly from Exodus, the Ten Commandments, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with thee in the land. So let's try to look at this from a, hopefully a simple way to break it down. So the first question is, what is being commanded? What's being taught in this text? What is it that children are called to do? We This came up several times last week in the sermon discussion, and it's worth saying again, for children, the Lord has given you one command as it relates to the way you function in your family. And that one command 
is that you obey your mother and your father. And if you can remember that one thing, that'll take care of a lot of things that you're going to face in your life. It really is a mercy that the Lord is, has uh, just distilled it down to this one thing for you to remember. Because a child who is obedient to loving, God-fearing parents is a child who will be growing in wisdom and a child who will be um, guarded from all the, not maybe not all, but a lot of the dangers of the world and a lot of the dangers of our own foolish decisions. So here's the, here's the follow-up question. Who falls under this category? Who is it that we're speaking to here? Now, if we're just thinking about honoring your father and your mother, that's everybody. You don't outgrow that one. When you're 10, when you're 15, when you're 55, and however long your parents live, that commandment stands. We are to show honor. Now, to show honor is not exactly the same as obedience and submission, but we're to show honor and respect and reverence to our parents. But what about the obedience part? What about the obedience part? Who is this hidden? And the reason I, I bring this up is because um, sometimes it can be easy to think, well, I'm 15 and grown. I don't need to listen to anybody. Sorry. If you're 15, this still applies to you. As a matter of fact, this applies to you as long as you live in some sort of a provisionally dependent way upon your mother and your father. So if you're 18, but you're still living at home, and you're still financially dependent on your parents, then you need to put a children name tag right here and make sure you're, you're, you're listening to this verse. It's not an insult. It's just a category in which you fall. And one of these days, hopefully, you'll fall out of that. But as the Lord addresses this, I just want to make sure that we understand this is not a passage that is reserved for toddlers. This is a passage that is meant to be a blessing to those who are under the authority and who are under the provisions of their parents. So, as the parent-child relationship hopefully does some changing as you get older, hopefully the, the structure and the, the way this works changes and progresses the older you get. That's assuming that the older you get, the more mature you get. As you make your way into your teenage years and you begin to build enough trust with your parents that they can give you more and more freedoms. That will be a, a blessing. But, you know, just thinking about this from a, a wisdom standpoint, if you don't like being treated like a child, let me let you in on a little secret that will unlock your freedom 95% of the time. Don't act like a child. If you don't like being treated as a child, if you're thinking to yourself, 
I'm 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, still living at home, and my parents are still telling me what to do. Well, I can guarantee you that's not your parents' favorite hobby. I can promise you, for most parents, they long for the day that they can trust you to make good and responsible decisions without having to keep up with what you're doing and addressing what you're doing. And so, Proverbs chapter 20 is helpful here. Turn to Proverbs chapter 20. And this is something that you need to be thinking about whether, well, everybody, this principle applies to everybody, but as we apply it to to children, this is something you need to be thinking about as uh, a very young child, if you're understanding what I'm saying this morning, you need to be thinking about this, and parents, we ought to be teaching this from a young age and trying to cultivate this. In Proverbs chapter 20, verse 6, It says, most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness. What does that mean? Well, that means if you ask somebody, most of the time, if you ask somebody what their estimation is of themselves, it's usually pretty good. I'm a good guy. I'm a trustworthy person. You can trust me to do the right thing. But the text goes on to say, but a faithful man, who can find? Okay, faithful there is just somebody who's trustworthy. Somebody that you know is going to do what they say they're going to do or somebody that you know is going to do the right thing whether you're looking or not. And so children, as you want to grow in freedoms, one of the things that you have to to do is you have to start building trust with your parents. You want to know why your parents, if if your parents are are this way, and, and hopefully they are, you want to know why your parents are so quick to correct you and to instruct you? Because that's what God's called us to do. You know, it would be a whole lot easier if children came in the form to where they could just raise themselves and we could take a break, but that's just not the way it works, is it? Your parent is responsible before God to instruct, to, in, to address things that need to be addressed. And so as you begin to build trust over time, then you can experience more and more freedoms. Um, But the thing about trust, sometimes young folks are baffled by, why is it that my parents just don't trust me? And many times the answer is, it's because they were alive yesterday. Okay? Your track record is why they don't trust you. The decisions that you've made, even in the very recent past, are why they don't trust you. 
It's not that you're some sort of an, you know, it's not that you're, you've, you've done the worst of the worst. It's just that over time, you've proven that when it comes down to it, you're more likely to do what you want to do rather than what you need to do. And when that's the case, then it is your parents' responsibility to not just foolishly turn a blind eye and to stop trying to provide discipline and instruction. So trust is something that you're going to build over time. It's one decision built upon another, built upon another, and built upon another. Now I say that just to say this. Trust is never just given. Okay, If you're someone who just automatically gives someone your trust, you fall in the category of a fool. Trust and love are two different things. Trust and forgiveness are two different things. There are some people that you will forgive, but you would be a fool to trust. And there are some people that you love, but you would be a fool to trust. And so sometimes people say, if you loved me, you would trust me. And the answer to that is, if you love me, you would be trustworthy. And then I could trust you. Okay. So children, it's, it's, and young folks, it's worth noting that, um, the older you get, hopefully the more mature you're getting, and hopefully the more trust you're storing up in the bank. So you could think about it that way, like a bank account. If you want your parents to trust you and you want your parents to give you freedoms and, and, um, to be able to, to grow and, and function and do things, Trust really does work like a bank account. You, you got to put in before you can actually withdraw something from there. So we've said enough about that, but who are we talking to? Well, we're talking to any young person who still lives in a way that is dependent on their family. And the way that you're going to grow in gaining more and more freedom is by growing and being more and more predictable, more and more trustworthy. All right, moving into the substance of the message. I want to give us three points here. Children, three things you need to know, and parents, three things that we ought to be teaching. Number one, look in Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 8. It says, My son, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother. For they shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head, and chains about thy neck. First point I want to make is that children learning to honor their parents and to obey their parents is very important to God. Very important to God. It's not just something that, that uh, we parents come up with. We're going to talk about later some reasons why it's important to God. But the first thing that we notice here in Proverbs 1.8 is the, the exhortation, almost the plea to hear the instruction and forsake not the law. It just means to listen and to obey. 
what your parents have to say. One of the things that ought to be happening and one of the things that your parents should be helping you in is that as you're growing, as you're getting older, you're becoming wiser. You're learning how to think. You're you're learning how to behave. You're learning how to live. And you're learning more and more wisdom. Now, do something a little bit different as far as the Sunday morning sermon goes. But let me ask you something, children. If young folks that are understanding what I'm saying here, y'all look at me. How many of you young people hope to grow up and be a wise person? Raise your hand. Go ahead and raise them. How many people want to be wise? You can participate. There you go. There you go. Now, if your hand's up, you can put it down. You can put it down. Now, let me tell you something about wisdom. If you're going to grow up and be wise, there's at least one thing you're going to have to learn how to do. And that is to listen. Okay, People who are wise are people who have listened. In the book of Proverbs, which was written as a, from a father to a son, He says over and over and over and over again in so many different ways, listen, listen. And then once you've listened, obey. But it has to start with the listening. You've heard this before. This is not scripture, but it's a, it makes a point as far as the illustration. You know why God gave you two ears and one mouth? Because he wants you to listen more than you talk. Okay. And it doesn't mean you can't speak, but if by the time you open your mouth, you haven't been doing a lot of listening, more than likely what's coming out is uh, probably not going to be worth much. People who are wise are people who have listened. They've listened to their parents. They have listened and paid attention to what the Lord has to say and what the Word has to say. And that starts when you are young. Now, if you want to know just how much God holds this in, or just how important God thinks it is that you obey your parents. Look in Exodus chapter 21. Exodus chapter 21. As far as obedience and honor goes. In Exodus chapter 21, starting in verse 15, it says, He that smiteth his father, that's just to to hit, he who hits or strikes his father or his mother shall be surely put to death. And he that stealeth a man and selleth him, or if he be found in his hand, he shall surely be put to death. And he that curseth his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. Now, We're not under this system anymore, and so this is not what we do. And I don't go here to to try to reenact any of this, but I do go here to say you can't read these passages and walk away with the fact that God just really doesn't care how you respond to your parents. By the time we get to verse 15 and 17, we're talking about an older child, not not a younger one. But God says to Israel, there comes a time in your child's life 
to where if they just continue to be resistant and they begin to rebel and they get to the point to where they are cursing their father and their mother, and that's not just saying one cuss word at them. This is a perpetual type lifestyle of rebellion and turning from and says, you put him to death. Why would he do that? That's a lot of people that are troubled by passages like this because it just seems overboard. Well, here's at least one reason why God would say that. If you can't function under the authority of your parents, you sure can't function in society. If you don't learn to function under the authority, the God-given authority of your parents, then you won't function under any of the other God-given authorities that are in society. Now, for Israel, this meant more than it does for us as far as just being in America and the whole authoritative kind of thing. For Israel, what God was doing was He was preserving and creating a holy nation, a nation that would reflect His value system. So He said, it's a high priority that children learn to function under the authority of their parents. In Proverbs chapter 13, verse 1, turn there. Proverbs chapter 13. Verse 1, a wise son or daughter, a wise son heareth his father's instruction, but a scorner heareth not rebuke. Now, the book of Proverbs is a good book for young folk. I mean, it's a good book for anybody, but it's a good book for young folks who are trying to grow in wisdom. It gives us all kinds of different categories and one of the categories that's used often in Proverbs is the category of somebody who's a scorner. The Proverbs, one of the themes that really characterizes the whole book is it's a comparison contrast between a fool and someone who's wise. Proverbs is a book that is very you know, black and white. You're either a fool or you're walking in wisdom, one or the other. And the scorner is someone who is always categorized as a fool. And a scorner is just simply someone who, um, who will not receive correction. Someone who is resistant to correction. So their parents try to address something and they roll their eyes. Their parents try to address something and they say, but, 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 can I just say something? Can I say something? I don't, that's a scorner. A scorner is someone who, after they've been corrected, the first thought in their mind is, this is just not fair. It's just not fair. A scorner now, we're, this is, we all have a little bit of this in us. A scorner is someone who hates to be corrected because a scorner is someone 
who refuses to admit that they're wrong. They're always right. They're always right. Proverbs goes on to talk about the fact that a fool is always right in their own eyes. So I want you to think about, think back over your track record. Are you somebody who just always thinks everything you do is right? And when you're corrected, it's always because of either the unreasonableness of the other person or just the silliness of the other person. If that's you, like I said, this is a tendency we all tend to have. If that's you, the Bible's name for that is you are a fool. Brothers and sisters, you know this already because I've, I try to model it even in our discussion. I tried to model it last week. Molly Gooch was asking a clarifying question. She said, I'm not trying to correct you. I'm not trying to correct you. And I made sure to say, I am not above being corrected. Now, I'm not telling you I'm the most humble man you've ever met. I'm just telling you I'm not above being corrected. It is possible that as I'm preaching and as I'm making comments, that I say something in a wrong way. That's one of the reasons why it's important that you have your Bible and that you're following along with me and you're not just taking what I'm saying as if it's uh, gospel, because it might not be. And if it's not then I have, a, I have a choice. You can correct me or challenge me, and if you make a legitimate point, and I can see from Scripture that what you're saying is right and I am wrong, then I can accept that and I can grow. Or, in pride, I can harden my heart and be stubborn. You remember what James says about those who harden their hearts and are stubborn and are full of pride? God resists those people. Okay, so it's a, it's a serious deal. So the scorner. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 5. It says, A fool despiseth his father's instruction, but he that regardeth reproof... Again, that's correction. The one who regards, who considers reproof is prudent. You know, a good practice for anybody to adopt, older people or younger people, but I'm talking particularly to the younger people right now, a good practice for you to adopt is that any time someone offers you correction, that you do your best to try to see if there's even a little bit of legitimacy to what's being said. Now, there's sometimes that people will correct you and, and, and people have various preferences or maybe they've got it wrong and they've misunderstood. But usually if somebody takes the time and the effort and the inconvenience to come to you and correct you about something, there's at least a little bit of legitimacy about that. And it's worth trying to consider. Look in Proverbs chapter 20. In Proverbs chapter 20, verse 20, it says, Whoso curses his father or his mother, his lamp shall be put out in obscure 
darkness. Okay, This whole metaphor, lamp shall be put out in obscure darkness, really alluding to the fact that their life will be cut short. It will not end well for them. Can you think of anybody in Scripture that fits the bill on this? You remember Samson? You know the story of Samson? He was a man who was gifted and anointed by God. And he was a man who in his pride as a child, all the way up into an adult, would not listen. He disregarded what his family had to say, what his parents had to say. They tried to give him advice about a wife. Samson was smarter than that. He knew better. And you remember what happened to Samson, don't you? This man who had been given so many gifts by the Lord, comes to the end of his life, being captured by his enemy, having his eyes plucked out, and who is crushed by the upper story of the building that he ends up being able to push down. A sad, sad end to someone who had so much potential. And so I would say this based on the story of Samson. Young people, you may be gifted in a lot of areas, and that's good. You know, the Lord gives different gifts, and you have different strengths and different weaknesses. But you may be gifted in a lot of ways, but your gifting will be useless if you don't have the character that knows how to use it. Character is far more important than whatever gifting you think you may or may not have. If you don't know how to use the gifts that the Lord has given you, they will do you very little good. And so it's important to the Lord that you learn to function under your parents' authority and that you learn to obey them. Now, look in 1 Samuel chapter 8. 1 Samuel chapter 8. The next point that I want to make here is that if you decide to rebel against your parents, then you are deciding to rebel against the Lord. Now there's a, you know, there's an exception here. Obviously, if your parents are trying to get you to sin, but that's not going to be the case the majority of the time, maybe any time, depending on who your parents are. That's uh, at least in the crowd that I'm addressing right now. To rebel against your parents' authority is to rebel against God. Look in 1 Samuel chapter 8. This is a passage where Israel is worried because Samuel's sons do not have a very proven track record or they don't have a character that the people are excited about 
once Samuel passes off the scene, they do not want his sons ruling the nation or being a judge over the nation. And so they ask Samuel for a king. And Samuel says, you don't need to do that. And they say, well, that's what we're going to do. That's what we want to do. And he takes this to the Lord in prayer. And in 1 Samuel chapter 8, God says this to Samuel. The Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people and all that they say unto thee, for they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. Now, this is an important point for you to understand. It was God's idea that there would be judges who ruled over Israel. Israel didn't come up with that. God did. And then in God's providence, He placed the judges that He wanted he would, he would raise some up, he would take some down, but he would place judges to rule over Israel. And Israel got to the point to where they felt like they knew better than God, and they said, we don't want to do this. And, you know, if you were Israel in that time and you were looking at Samuel's sons, you could understand that. And as God co- goes and, and addresses this with Samuel in prayer, he says, Samuel, this is not about you. This is about me. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. And so here's the question, children, that we have to think about and consider. Who gave you your parents? Out of all the people, out of all the people that could have been your parents, you are with a certain two. Who gave you those? The answer is God, right? Who holds your parents responsible for training you and instructing you to obey? Well, this is an easy test because the answer is God again. And so if you understand that, then one thing that we have to conclude and one thing that we have to keep in mind that is it's not a small thing for us to rebel against our parents as if that's not that big a deal. To rebel against our parents is to rebel against the God who gave us those parents. And who instructed us to obey them. Now secondly, why is this so important? We mentioned this a little bit earlier. But one reason why it's so important is that you need to learn how to function in a world where you are not in charge. One of the reasons that you need to learn to obey your parents is because you need to learn how to function in a world where you are not in charge. Now, there are some adults that grow up and never do learn that the world's not spinning just for them. They don't know how to handle it whenever somebody tells them no. They don't know how to handle it whenever things don't go the way they think they should go. They don't know how to handle it when parameters are put in place. And while that might seem fun as a young person, That's a completely destructive path to take as an adult. It will not end well with you if that's the way you function. And so in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, turn there. First Corinthians chapter 14. This is just a principle about God here. 
1 Corinthians 14, verse 33, says, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. And then in verse 40, let all things be done decently and in order. Now, God is not a God of confusion, but He is a God of peace and of order. And so God has ordered authority structures so that things might function in a way that would result in peace and order and a lack of chaos. And so as your parents teach you and as your parents instruct you, hopefully one of the things that's being instilled in you is that you start to grow and mature in such a way that instead of them telling you no, you're telling you no. You know what I mean by that? Hopefully, the more wisdom you gain, you're not having to be corrected because you're learning, this is not going to be good for me. I need to restrain from this. I need to to exercise self-control and to put a regulator on my desires and my wants. Because if I don't learn to do that, I'm going to live a life that is full of chaos and misery and destruction. That's that's the way that works. And let me be very, very practical with you. you I've given you this example before, but you know, one of the things that that I learned whenever I was working at at Northeast as a counselor and helping people, we have a lot of adults at the satellite campuses like that. And one of the things that I learned is that... um, it's it's not uncommon at all for full-grown adults to not be responsible enough to show up to work three days in a row. I used to have people come in on their lunch breaks, and I would say, well, let me let me hurry up and get this done for you so you can get back to work. And they'd say, oh, I, I'm not going back to work. You got the day off? No, I'm just not feeling it. Just not feeling it. That's not that uncommon. That's a person who never learned to say no to their desires. That's a person who never learned how to, how to regulate what they were feeling in the moment. And we live in a world full of them. We live in a world full of them. Hopefully you're not going to be one of them in the next generation. So the order that God establishes and that God um, that God maintains is usually maintained through an authoritative structure. That is, somebody is in charge, somebody is accountable, and someone is being held accountable for various responsibilities. This is not a bad thing. Did you know that that there is an authority structure um, that are, that, that uh, there's an authority structure in the Godhead, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Did you know that? They're equal to one another. Okay. It's not that it's not that they're um, one is better than the other, but it's that in God's design and in God's plan and the way God works. The Father has His responsibilities and roles. The Son has His roles and responsibilities. And so does the Spirit. 
and they work in unison. I mean, it's 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 one God in three persons, and but it's it's an authoritative structure there. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we read about how Christ willingly put his puts himself in submission to the Father. It's something he does on his own. Romans chapter 13 tells us that every authority is established by God, which means a couple of things. Number one, it means if you're an authority that's been established by God, you are accountable to God. So last week when we were talking about parenting by principle, your parents are going to answer to God for the way that they parent you. Okay, You're, you're accountable to God for what you do with your children. But the flip side of that is, children, you're accountable to God for the way that you respond to the authority that He's placed over you. So again, it goes back to living under God's authority. Um, So we need to learn to live in a world where we are not in charge. Third, another reason why We need to learn to honor our parents, to children to obey our parents. Now, you're not going to like to admit this. The older you get, the more you'll be willing to consider that this might be true. But the truth is, you do not know as much as you think you do. You just don't. That's hard for us to believe at times. I know it's easy to think I'm 14 and know everything. Not so. You don't even know what you don't know yet. There's so many things. So many things. Matter of fact, it's easy to think I'm 18 and I know everything. You're just barely ahead of the 14-year-old. Not much more. There's a whole lot you do not know yet. And so one of the graces and one of the provisions that the Lord has given you to grow in wisdom is the authority structures that He's put in your life. Your parents, as far as what we're talking about today. Look in Proverbs chapter 22. Just want to get we, we hit this verse last uh, last week, and I, I just really want to get the first part of it. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, or we can say it's bound up in the heart of a child. You know what that means? You know, there are times, and I'm I'm I can't take this metaphor too far because I'm not much of a tech savvy person, but. There are, are, are times where with your uh, electronic devices, your computer or your phone or your tablet, where things get so messed up that the best option you have is just to restore it to its factory settings. Or maybe if you're selling one of those devices, you can restore it to the factory settings. And what that means is you can, you can undo everything you've done and make it just like it was when it came out of the factory. Okay? Well... You know, we have a factory setting that we're born with. And you know what it is? 
a fool. Your factory setting is that you're a fool. My factory setting is that I'm a fool. By nature, just by default. I didn't have to do anything. I didn't have to work hard to become a fool. I was already a fool. And you are too. And so we can grow more and more foolish as we go, or maybe I should say we can manifest more and more foolish as we go, or we can grow in wisdom. But our our factory setting is that of a fool. When you came off the assembly line, that's what was stamped on your forehead. We don't think as we don't we don't know as much as we think we know. And it, and, and it takes humility to be able to embrace that reality. But nevertheless, it's true. That's why Proverbs spends so much time in passages like Proverbs chapter four. Proverbs chapter four, verses three through nine. It says, For I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. He taught me also and said unto me, Let thine heart retain my words, keep my commandments and live, get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not, neither decline from the words from my mouth. Forsake her not, and she shall preserve thee. Love her, she shall keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. Exalt her, and she shall promote thee. She shall bring thee to honor, and when thou doest embrace her, I'm sorry, when thou, when you embrace her, she shall give to thine head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory shall she deliver unto thee. Now, the reason I took this passage, because he says it, emphasizes it several times when he says, get wisdom, get understanding, get wisdom, get wisdom, get wisdom. The first eight chapters of Proverbs are full of that exhortation. And and then the rest would would, uh, reinforce that. But think about what's implied. Think about what's implied whenever somebody says, get wisdom and get understanding. Think about it this way. If my car was on empty and I told you I'm going, and, and I didn't tell you anything else, but I just said I'm going to get gas, what do you automatically know I don't have? Gas. If I had it, why would I go get it? I wouldn't need it. Well, when God says get wisdom, what's implied? I need it because I don't have it. Okay, that's what's implied. Get wisdom, get understanding. Why? Because we do not know as much as we think we know. Now, I want to end, and, and I'm going to give you a copy of this in the notes this uh, this afternoon for our discussion. Last week, I gave parents a list of 25 ways that they commonly, that parents commonly provoke their children to, to anger. Um, and so, I want to give you a, uh, a list. It's, it's 25 characteristics of a fool from the book of Proverbs. And it was created by the same guy, Lou Priolo, from last week. And, and he calls this the fool test. The fool test. It's good for adults and young people alike, but it's, uh, it's very helpful for young people to, to think about. And so it's 25 characteristics. It's got the, the, the chapter and verse beside each one of them. And uh, just, just listen as I read these off. And, and ask yourself, does this describe me? 
Does this describe me? Now, one or two may hit you, but if you're collecting six, seven, eight, nine of these things, that ought to get your attention. Listen, he despises wisdom and instruction. Number two, he hates knowledge. Number three, he hurts his mother. Number four, he grieves his mother. Number five, he enjoys devising mischief. Number six, he is right in his own eyes. Number seven, he is quick to anger. Number eight, he hates to depart from evil. Number nine, he is deceitful. Ten, he is arrogant and careless. Eleven, he rejects his father's instruction. Twelve, he despises his mother. Thirteen, he does not respond well to discipline. Fourteen, he does not understand wisdom. Fifteen, he has a worldly focus or a carnal value system. Sixteen, he grieves his father. Seventeen, he does not consider discussing any viewpoint but his own. Eighteen, he provokes others to strife and anger by the things that he says. Nineteen, he has a smart mouth that usually gets him in trouble. Twenty, he is quarrelsome. Twenty-one, he blows through money. Twenty-two, he repeats his folly. Twenty-three, he trusts his own heart. Twenty-four, he cannot resolve conflicts. And twenty-five, he gives full vent to his anger. Now, that list is going to convict you at some point. Okay, Parents and children both. But this is a good list for you to go through and a good list to help you begin to identify but also reinterpret how you see the things that you're seeing. You know, there are some times where people say, well, I tell you, it's just me. You know, if I got it on my mind, I'm going to say it. Well, the Bible has a name for that. You're a fool. There there are times where uh, people say... uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't really care what other people think. I'm going to do what I'm going to do, and to a certain degree, the Bible has a name for that, depending on what that means. And that's a fool. And we could go on and on and on. And so, Ephesians chapter six: Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Honor your mother and your father, because this is the first commandment with promise that it may go well with you in the land. Let's pray. Father, uh, we thank you again for your word. Lord, we thank you for our children and Lord, we thank you um, for our parents. And Father, I pray that you would bless our children to grow um, in this command, uh, that they would um, learn to obey, not because they have perfect parents, but because they need to grow in wisdom and understanding, and they need to grow in living in a world where they're not in charge, because that's the world we live in. Lord, I pray you would give us wisdom as parents, but I also pray that you would bless our children to grow in wisdom as they seek to serve you through honoring and obeying their parents. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.